Jim Schultz here for the FQ Podcast. Man, I'm not going to keep you guys very long because I am so pumped about today's podcast. We are going to talk about another parable from the Gospels, the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils. And this thing is just jam-packed with so much insight that we can apply to our lives right now. And it's even going to challenge each and every one of us to examine our own hearts and say, hey, all right, which which level of soil, which type of soil am I right now? And so I'm excited because we're going to walk through you know, what Jesus has to say about it. I'm going to share my own interpretation of the parable, you know, what I got right, you know, most of the things I got wrong. And then, uh, yeah, man, we'll see wherever the wind blows us inside of that framework. But I'm really excited about this. I hope you guys enjoy it. And so without further ado, here is the parable of the soils. Jim Schultz here back with the FQ podcast and it is another Friday. I really hope you guys are just crushing it, man. Wherever you are in your place of the world, in your neck of the woods, I hope that things are just going really, really well for you. And I'll tell you what, man, I'm excited about this podcast that I've got for you guys. We're gonna kinda we're gonna kinda continue with the little series that we started a couple of weeks ago, working through some of the parables. In the Bible, I think that obviously, you know, A, it comes from Jesus, so it's probably pretty important. But also B, he does us a huge favor by communicating to us in, you know, terms and images that we can understand. And But even still, some of these parables are easier to understand than others. And to be honest with you, you know, a couple weeks ago we talked about the parable of the talents you know, that one I think is actually a little bit more challenging to understand, especially when you start to bring in the fact that, you know, some servants got more talents than other servants. And so that can be a little confusing, I mean, as we kind of worked through a couple weeks ago. So definitely give that guy a listen if you missed it the first go round. But I would say that this parable might be a little bit easier to understand. And as we work through it, maybe you'll agree, maybe you'll disagree. Uh, either way, I really hope that uh, I hope we can pull something from this, and I'm I'm really confident that we can. So today we're going to talk about the parable of the sower, or the parable of the soils, as you clearly know now because you've clicked on this podcast. And so the source scripture. Let's go right to the source and let's talk about where you can find this story if you want to read the actual verses for yourself. We're going to reference a few of them. But I'm not going to read the verses just to you, you know, kind of over the episode here. You can find them in three different places. You can find them in Mark 4. You can find them, the verses or the parable itself, in Mark 4, Matthew 13, and Luke 8. What we're going to pull from is we're going to pull from Mark. And the reason why is because Mark, at least, offers up not only the parable... But he also offers up Jesus himself following up the parable with a nice little explanation for all of us. Now, this is something that we don't always have the luxury of his doing, you know, taking the time to explain his teaching in really simple terms that make sense. A lot of times, you know, Jesus just kind of lights the powder keg and walks off like he's like, hey, you know, figure it out. It's pretty simple. 
right? And I mean, it really is when you actually get down to it in terms of the complexities of God that he's trying to communicate to us. You know, even if he doesn't explain it, it's it's pretty simple. But he does us a huge solid here and kind of walks us through image by image and verse by verse. And so what we're going to actually do here to give you an outline of how this podcast is going to go, we're going to, so we're going to talk about the basic idea of the parable. And then we're going to work through the interpretation kind of in two stages. So one of the things that I always like to do when I'm studying scripture is, well, I don't always do this, to be honest with you. I try to do this as often as I can. When I'm studying scripture and I'm like studying the words to really try to understand what's being said, to really try to pull as much from the teaching as I possibly can. One of the things I try and do as often as I can is try to figure it out for myself. So try to sit and meditate and pray and just think about the words and the verses and the context and say, all right, what does this mean to me? Before I turn to an outside source, before I turn to, you know, a commentary or even other biblical references, basically any outside influences, I really try to let the words kind of permeate, you know, my mind first. And then, of course, because I'm not even going to pretend to have all the answers, I'm not even going to pretend to have it figured out, I then turn to outside commentary. And about 80% of the time I realize, wow, I was totally wrong. And so we're going to actually do that today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share, we're going to work through the story, and then I'm going to share with you all what I thought the story meant. And then we're going to turn to Jesus' words himself to see what the story meant. And we'll see how far off I was or if I got any of them correct. And so I think it'll be kind of fun. And, you know, I think it'll be kind of real, honestly, because I'd be willing to bet that when you yourself read the Bible, it doesn't always sink in. I'd be willing to bet huge sums of money, actually, that that's true, that there are certain pieces of scripture, there are certain stories or texts that you just wrestle with, and you're like, man, I just do not know what this means or what this is trying to tell me for the life of me. And so I just kind of thought working through how I work through these different stories might be kind of helpful for you guys. I don't know. You know, we'll give it a shot. We'll see how it goes. And I thought a couple of weeks ago went pretty well, and so I figured we'd take another crack at it. So the parable of the of the sower or the soils. Here's the basic idea: a farmer gets up to spread some seed in his fields. He goes about and he disperses the seed all over the place. It scatters in various places, and so here's basically how it shakes out, literally. Some of his seed falls on the path. So the birds come down and they just snatch it up. Duds. These guys, not going to grow, basically a waste. Nothing he can do with that. Some of the seeds fall on rocky places where the soil was shallow. So the soil tried to grow, but they had no roots. So they died quickly. Also duds. Some other seed fell amongst the thorns. Now these guys grew up, but they were smothered. They were choked out by the plants. That's actually exactly what scripture says. So they did not survive and they could not bear again. Triple dud. 
But then lastly, I mean, things are looking pretty dire right here, right? I mean, it's like, man, this parable is, we need a happy ending. But thankfully, some of the seed falls on good soil. And so these not only grow to healthy plants, but the soil was so fertile that it continued to produce and produce and produce good fruits, like literally in this context, right? Like you hear the term fruits used pretty often in scripture, and it's kind of metaphorical most of the time. But here, like we're literally talking about planting seeds to grow. I believe the actual growth object is a plant in the story, but nevertheless, you know, fruit, plant, vegetables, trees, you know, we're talking about growth of a seed in a soil. So using fruits here makes a ton of sense. So that's the basic idea behind the actual parable. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go by, we're going to go through the four different places where the seed falls. And I'm going to offer up my thoughts. And then we're going to quickly discount those. And we're going to turn to Jesus to see what we should actually pull away from this parable. Okay, so let's get right into the interpretation of the parable. So the first thing that I think is probably the clearest connection is the seed in the story is the Word of God. So the seed in the story is the Word of God. And basically, I mean, that is what Jesus is trying to teach us. That the seed that's being planted by the farmer is literally the Word of God. And so that may have been obvious to you. It may not have been obvious to you. Uh, I wouldn't say it was super obvious to me at first. It clicked pretty quickly. But, you know, nevertheless, I think of the, of the few things we're going to work through, that's probably the clearest. So let's then move on to the soil that falls on the path. So when I read that and I thought about it, I'm like, okay, you've got soil falling on the path. Then you've got the birds coming down and eating up the soil before it has any opportunity to, you know, grow roots or absorb into the ground or anything like that. The first thing that jumped out at me when I read that is I'm like, that's an image of the fact that some people's hearts are hardened like concrete, like a sidewalk. Now, you know, honestly, I mean, I don't know. I mean, in Jesus's time, I genuinely don't know. I don't think they had concrete. I, I, I'm ashamed to say I don't know. I should, I should know more about my own history than, than that. But I simply, I, I don't know. I'm like, I, they, maybe they didn't have concrete. So that's probably not what Jesus was trying to communicate. But now I'm wondering, like, how concrete? Hmm, I don't know. Anyway, that's a rabbit hole I definitely don't want to go down. Nevertheless, that's what it meant to me. And I'm like, okay, well, some people's hearts are hardened towards Christ. I mean, we all know people like that, right? We all know people that have, you know, not only like turned away from the gospel, not only like rejected Christianity, but they're on the total other end of the spectrum. Like they're like vehemently against Christianity. So it's not, it's not like they're just saying, oh no, thank you. Like they're, they're, they're like trying to, you know, discredit Christianity. And they're really trying to repel and reject Christianity at every turn. I mean, there are plenty of people like that in the world. We all know people like that. And so these people won't be receptive to the word no matter how many seeds get dropped on them. That's how I interpreted this P 
piece of the parable. Now, let's turn to Mark 4.15 and let's clean that up a little bit because I was a little bit off. So Jesus says, Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And so that's super interesting. It's super interesting because it's not really like how I interpreted that piece of the parable at all. Right? Jesus doesn't really talk necessarily about hearts being hardened. Jesus Jesus definitely doesn't answer the question about concrete in his time, which is a bit of a downer, but nevertheless, he goes in a different direction. He talks about he focuses more on the birds, which I which didn't even dawn on me. I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's right. They're in this piece of the parable too." Well, the birds being Satan coming down and snatching up those seeds, taking away the word that was sown in them. I'm like, oh my gosh, that just makes so much sense. Because this is an incredible reminder to us all, you, me, everyone, that Satan is real, Satan is alive, and Satan is always swooping down and trying to attack us and distract us and dissuade us. He's doing everything that he can do to snatch that seed of the gospel out of our hands and out of our heads and out of our hearts. Right? That's what that that's literally his mission in life. That's exactly what he's trying to do. And he's crafty, man. He's crafty, he's clever. Right. We'll probably talk about his craftiness and his cleverness in a future podcast. I think that would actually be pretty good. But he knows the book on us. He knows the book on you. He knows the book on me. He knows how to get us when we're weak. He knows how to tempt us in ways that are only tempting to us potentially. He's done it many, many times and he will do it many, many times. And so Jesus is really warning us that like birds, you know, he's always circling. He's always there and waiting to strike. And so when I heard that, I'm like, wow, that's really, that's really good. That's really interesting. That's much better than my interpretation. So that's good. Now, the second one. So soil on rocky places. So here's my interpretation. Believe it or not, I actually got a little closer with this one. My interpretation is some people, remember this is the soil that gets dropped into the, this is, these are the seeds that get dropped into the soil and they grow a little bit, but they don't have any roots. They grow a little bit, but they die quickly because they don't have a foundation. And I think, you know, now that we've dug into the parable now for 15 minutes or whatever it's been, maybe you can already see where this might be going. And if you can, that would be phenomenal. But if you can't, Don't beat yourself up, man, because it took me a while to get where I am in this parable and in, honestly, most of Scripture. So, my my interpretation is that some people have only a surface-level understanding of Christianity. And I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about just regular people. I'm not talking about non-Christians and non-believers. I'm talking about people that claim the name of Christ and are Christians. They themselves have only a surface level understanding of Christianity. And I'm also referring to myself 
for the first, I don't know, 35, 36, maybe 37 years of my life. I'll be 38 in May, if you were wondering. And thus, when the inevitable struggles of life come, they don't have any roots to wither the storms. Actually, probably weather the storms. They don't have any roots to weather or wither the storms. And they get all knocked around and blown away. Because they're like that seed that grew in the rocky soil or on the rocky ground. They don't have a firm foundation. They don't have the biblical root, the faith root that they need in place to be able to weather the storms, the inevitable storms that are coming to each and every one of us. Now, you know, before we get into what Jesus had to say about this, I think it's important to take a bit of a sidebar. And it's extremely important to note that all Christians, I think all Christians, at least most, but probably all, are going to start this way. Right? We're all going to start with a surface level understanding of the gospel. Right? It's a very natural, I mean, think about how you learned anything. Right? You start with something very simple and something very elementary. And then as you grow, as you learn, as you move along, you know, the pathway to knowledge, you look back and you're like, wow, I can't believe I was actually at a place where I only believed X or I only knew X. But now you're so much further along, there's just so much growth that's taken place, right? So remember that it's a growth. It's a maturation over time. So don't beat yourself up if you find yourself in this spot. Like if I just pressed on a pain point for you, Right, if I just hit you in that trigger point, like you know, on the back of your neck, we're like, "Ooh, yeah, got a few chills on that one, Jim." Like, I, I kind of think I might have only a surface level understanding of the, of the gospel. Hey, man, I've been there. Like I said, and it wasn't that long ago. Like I kind of joked about it a second ago, but it actually isn't that much of a joke. That's pretty much the truth. And so you are not alone. So don't feel like you're behind, and don't feel like you need to be further ahead. Like, yeah, use it as a challenge. Use it as motivation to, to strengthen and, and, you know, and firm up your walk with Christ. But it's not condemnation. So I certainly want to be really clear about that. So regardless of how long you've maybe been in the spot that you're in, because again, it's not a race, right? This isn't who can finish the first and understand everything there is about the gospel the quickest. That's not at all how this is, and that's not at all... How, how God has it set up or what God wants. He wants us all, obviously, to accept Jesus in our hearts. The sooner the better. But nevertheless, He has us all on our own individual trajectories in this life. And so the key is not where you are now. The key is where you go and how you grow from where you are. That's the key. So let's turn to what Jesus had to say about this. So this is actually going to be Mark 4. 16 and 17. So I will read these verses. So Jesus says, Others, like seed, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And so, by God's grace alone, I was actually pretty close with that one. So that so that made me that made me feel pretty good. Okay, so moving right along, now we're on to the soil in the thorns. 
This one, I think, is maybe the most interesting of the four. And I don't really know why I feel that way necessarily because all four are interesting for different reasons. But this was the one I think that I read through that I'm like, yeah, man, that's good. Like, you know how you read something like, it could be a novel, it could be a magazine, it could be an internet article, and you're like, ooh, yeah, like, that's good. I read through this, I'm like, mm, yeah, man, that's really good. Anyway, The Soil and the Thorns. So here is my interpretation, right? This is, this, th- these were the seeds that were dropped in the soil, and they grew, but they were choked out, they were smothered, and they never bore any fruit or any, you know... Uh, plant life. Again, here's my interpretation. The world that we live in is a wicked, wicked place. And I mean wicked. I mean, there's evil, idolatry, greed, lust, envy on every channel and around every corner. Right? I mean, that, I mean, if you think about those five or six words I just labeled, that's sort of what our society is built on. Our society is built on idolatry. I mean, we have a show called American Idol. And I mean, I've I've watched it. I've consumed it. I'm guilty of this, right? Greed and envy. I mean, all the commercials that are just, are, are pumped into our homes every single day are all about needing more and wanting more and improving your status and making more money and all these different things. And in and of themselves, wanting to improve your status, wanting to make more money, wanting to, you know, have nice things, I don't necessarily think those are bad. I really, truly don't. But I think they can so easily become the ultimate things that they become your own American idols, assuming you live in America, or you like the show and you resonate with our culture, which is not necessarily a great thing in this context. But nevertheless, you know, I think we can all agree that the world is, it's a wicked place, man. It's a wicked, wicked place. So here, I mean, you just, you have people that I believe genuinely wanted to change. They genuinely wanted to absorb the faith and let Jesus do a work. Grow their faith, grow their walks. But it just didn't last. They got swallowed up by the sin of the world. And sadly, they didn't last long. And so that's how I interpreted this piece of the parable. If we turn to Mark 4, I believe this is verses 18 and 19. Jesus says, Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, that is the deceitfulness of wealth, And the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So I was actually pretty close on that one too. But that one honestly didn't come to me at first. It wasn't until I was sitting with the text that the Holy Spirit really opened my eyes and showed me the meaning. So this was one of the ones, and maybe this is why I was so drawn to it, because it didn't jump out at me at first. I had to kind of work for it. And so as I was meditating and thinking and obviously preparing for this podcast and just thinking, all right, what is this, what does this image mean to me? You know, those things popped into my mind. And, you know, the thing that, that jumps out at me is the deceitfulness of wealth. 
Jesus talks about greed more than anything else in the Bible. And this is something that I have idolized myself many, many times in the past. And so it resonates with me. It speaks to me. Remember that pain point that I was maybe pressing on you earlier? Well, this presses on me a little bit. So I'm right there with you guys, man. Those chills, those icicles going up and down your spine. Yeah, I'm feeling it too. And so like, well, maybe that's why this spoke to me. I mean, it's, it's all kind of making sense to me now, I think. But Jesus talks about greed more than anything else in the Bible. Jesus talks about wealth and the idolatry of wealth more than anything else in Scripture. And so, you know, it's obviously something we need to be aware of. And the fact that in his little, you know, two-verse explanation of what this part of the parable meant, he decided to choose the deceitfulness of wealth as one of his explanatory terms. Man, that's powerful. So that's something we need to be on the lookout for, people. That's something that we need to be on guard against is the deceitfulness of wealth because it is powerful, man. It is very, very powerful. So the last one, this is obviously going to be the most obvious one, I think. This is the good soil, right? My interpretation, again, I think this one is somewhat straightforward, but I, you know, I've been in a spot myself where I've read things in scripture that other people said, oh man, that's super clear and super straightforward. And I just wasn't seeing it. So if it's not straightforward to you, then hey, again, you are not alone. But I think in the context of the parable, this one might be the easiest to grasp. Some people's hearts will hear the word and be the good soil. They will be receptive to the word. The word will grow within them and their hearts will be fertile ground. To share the gospel over and over and over again. They're going to produce. They're going to multiply. These are some of the words you're going to hear from the scripture here in a second. right? But these people's hearts are going to be the hearts that change God's kingdom forever. They're going to be the hearts that make a difference in the kingdom of God. That is, I mean... That is so encouraging, man. That is so encouraging. And really, you know, like I said, I mean, the parable, it was kind of, it was kind of going down for the first part of the, for the first three, at least in in my eyes. I was like, oh my gosh, is this thing going to end on a high note or what? And then obviously Jesus in classic Jesus fashion, of course he ends on the highest note possible with, you know, himself, but he uses the good soil and his word and his story of the gospel as being the ultimate redemption of not only this little parable, but all of mankind. And so if we look at Mark 4.20, Jesus only needed one verse to clean this guy up. He said, Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So man, just a super interesting parable. You know, I really think, I thought the one about the talents a couple weeks ago was really interesting. And I think this one is really interesting and helpful for different reasons. You know, I think that this might motivate you and inspire you to inspect your own heart and say, hey, all right, which one am I? Which soil am I? If I'm being really honest with you all, I would say that, I would say that for the first time in my life, I have remnants of some good soil in my heart. 
But I would say that for most of my adulthood, I was soil in the thorns. I was absolutely soil in the thorns. I was kind of a cross between soil in a rocky place and soil in thorns. I never outwardly rejected uh, Jesus or the gospel or Christianity. And I really have my parents to thank for that. You know, my parents are, you know, I didn't grow up in like a religious home. I mean, we never went to church. We never talked about it or anything like that. But my mom did, you know, I, I was in catechism. I did learn about Jesus at an early age. And so I'm very thankful for that to just be introduced to the idea of Christ in my life. Even though I wasn't really, you know, I didn't really know what it meant or anything like that. But I was introduced to it in a positive light. And so I think that that started to plant some seeds in my own heart. But definitely, you know, not having a firm foundation, absolutely. So there's there's a bit of rockiness in that, that part of my life. And then also soil in the thorns. You know, I would say right now I probably, I probably bounce between good soil and soil in the thorns. Like if I could oscillate between the two states, that's probably what I do. I think I spend, you know, more time than I ever have in the good soil and praise God alone because it's through him alone that I'm able to do that. But yeah, man, I've had, you know, I, I'm, 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 don't let me fool you. I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not, you know, just this incredible person that never does wrong. And like, no, no, no. Like I've done some wicked things, man. And I, and I've succumbed to the wickedness of the world. And I've certainly spent periods of my life with no foundation. And so I, that's why I resonate with this story so much, you know, not only the wealth component, but the wickedness and the lack of a foundation. And so if you yourself are doing some introspection and you're thinking, hmm, which one of these am I? Just note that I've been three of these four at various points in my life. And so if you yourself have been multiple of these, again, you're not alone, man. You're not alone at all. So... An interesting parable, a really important one, I think. You know, it's a great reminder, really, that if we just open our hearts to Jesus, like he'll do some incredible things in our lives. He'll do some incredible things in your life and my life for our good and his glory. And let's think about it, man. What could be better than that? You know, on that note, actually, just opening up uh, our hearts, I'll leave you guys with this one little thing. Autumn and I actually did a we did a, our Facebook Live just last Tuesday. You know, every every Tuesday night at 8.15 on Facebook, we go 8.15 Central Time. We go live on Facebook and we talk about fitness, finance, or faith. We pretty much balance between fitness and faith. Right now, we kind of we kind of just kind of uh, ping pong them back and forth. You know, one Tuesday is fitness, the next Tuesday is faith. Well, just this last Tuesday, we actually talked about planting seeds was the name of the Facebook Live. And so Autumn and I went on and, you know, we were joined by a number of people and it was a great discussion. And we just talked about, you know, how do you plant seeds in the world around you? Like, how do you plant seeds in the hearts of your Christian friends? How do you plant seeds in the hearts of non-Christian friends? How do you plant seeds in the hearts of your friends and your family, your coworkers, strangers? We talked about all that stuff. And so I'll link to it in the show notes, but go give that guy a look or a listen. You know, if you have, they usually run about 30, 35 minutes. So maybe you can only catch a couple of minutes. Maybe you can catch the whole thing, you know, whatever the case may be, that would really, really be awesome. And so definitely, you know, give that guy a look because it's very much related to what we just talked about. And if you didn't know any better, it would look like I almost had a plan and a strategy for my content. Maybe. 
But I can assure you, that doesn't happen nearly as much as it should. So, that's all I got for you guys uh, today. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. If you have a few seconds to subscribe to the podcast, wherever you are listening to it, that would really help me out a ton. Leave me an honest rating and review because that helps the algorithms see that this is a worthwhile podcast and it gets out to more people and more ears and we're able to spread the gospel to you know some other patches of soil that are out there, whether they be rocky or whether they be thorny or whether they be good soil. We can spread the gospel and that's always a good thing. So you guys have a great weekend and I will see you guys next week. Podcast listeners, thank you guys so much for your attention, for your time. Man, I am just so appreciative. Definitely take some time though. Check out the YouTube channel. You know, you can find it, man, you can find it a number of ways. You can find it through any of my social media. You can go to Live F Cubed, which is kind of the website, kind of the central repository for F Cubed. If you go there, right in the upper right hand corner of the site, you can click on the YouTube icon. You know, I don't have enough clout or prestige yet to give you guys like, you know, like a YouTube forward slash, you know, Jay Schultz or a YouTube forward slash, you know, F cubed. I'm pretty sure right now it's YouTube forward slash and then like the alphabet backwards and a whole series of numbers that I certainly don't remember. So I'm not going to give it to you guys that way. But like I said, you can find it a number of ways, social media, the website, whatever. Check it out. Check out the channel. All kinds of content I try to put up there. You know, at least a few new pieces each week. Check it out. I hope you like it. And I'll see you guys on the flip side.